Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation and you take it from there. Today we continue our series, What We Believe. And uh, this is part 11, and today is all about Holy Scripture. In other words, the Bible. And so um, if you've been listening to our podcast or have listened to some past episodes, uh, you'll you'll know that we have uh, What is the Bible um, is a series we did, I think, two or three episodes maybe uh, some time ago. And so you can go back and kind of listen to that if you wanted some uh, kind of where we begin with talking about the Bible. And uh, then recently, I believe at the first of the year, uh, being 2020, um, we did a one on Word of God uh, with uh, Gabriel Gordon. And so we're going to kind of go a little bit of a different route uh, with this and talk about, um, first off, the Apocrypha. So if you're just hearing that word for the first time, do not worry, you are not alone. <laughs> The Apocrypha is a uh, it are some books that are included in some Bibles, and uh, in between the uh, Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures, and the New Testament. So, uh, hmm, who should I pick on first? <laughs> uh, Everett, you get the ding, ding, ding. What is the Apocrypha, and why, until I went into the Episcopal Church, had I not heard of it? So the Apocrypha is a collection of books that were written, what oftentimes is talked about as the inner testimonial period. (laughs) I feel you. Period. And uh, so it's this this time between um, Old Old Testament um, or the Hebrew scriptures and uh, the New Testament or the Christian scriptures. Right. there's a, a passage in, um, I think it's Malachi, and it says, you know, basically, like, God is not going to speak again until um, the Messiah comes. And so there are some who, uh, who say that those, uh, those texts are not, uh, are not valid because they're not the word of God, because God said God wasn't going to talk until the Messiah came. Um, they're written, I believe, in in Greek, um, and so they're not really the Hebrew scriptures because they're Greek. Um, but anyways, <laughs> they just they they just they, they're a collection of, of of stories and events that are going on in the life of the Jewish people um, at a kind of in the and as time leading up to the birth of of, of Jesus one. A uh, really notable story that most of us are probably really familiar with is that um, it's the story of Hanukkah and mm-hmm. um, how the oil, ah. you know, miraculously lasted. And that's included in this this collection of scripture. So Protestants have rejected um, the Apocrypha as scripture, whereas Orthodox and Roman Catholics um, have upheld it as scripture. And Anglicans, in our Anglican way, have tried to have it both ways. <laughs> we reject yet accept. 
That was good. I, I didn't. I I have never heard about that line in Malachi. Malachi being the last uh, book in the Hebrew Scriptures, at, at least in our the Bibles we use. And um, well, that's interesting. I've never heard that. That God's done. You know, talk to the hand <laughs> until the Messiah comes. So uh, interesting. Uh, so would you consider these to be historical in context then? Um. Yeah, there's there's several of them are are historical or or just con- they're they're addition they're additional stories that are important um, in life um, of the of the church yeah um, and and our develop and our and and in our development and they're written inner testimonial is that how right. you say it right okay That's- so is that I know they're written they're assumed. I, guess, I probably don't know if I, I'm just going to say assume because I don't know, to be written during that time, but they're also written about that time. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Tom, what can you tell us about the Apocrypha? <laughs> well, if you're a Roman Catholic, you just consider it part of the Old Testament. Okay. Um, so by calling it Apocrypha, we're labeling ourselves as Protestant. Oh, interesting. Um, which is no, I mean, we kind of share that midway between Protestant and Catholic, but also continuing in that midway, we middle way. We, we hear readings from the Apocrypha in our lectionary on Sunday morning, sometimes during the, um, daily office. Right. But um, all the original, the text, the, the oldest complete text that we use to translate the scriptures from contain books that we call the Apocrypha. Depending on the text, some parts of it were, were missing. But the Codex Sinai... I can't ever say it. Cyanitic, Cyaniticus and the Codex <laughs> Vaticanus. I like Those the are, day that I'm not the one messing up all the words. <laughs> and Alexand- Alexandrinus. Those all contain parts of the Apocrypha, what we call the Apocrypha, or most of it. Hmm. And um, early church fathers were kind of differed on on their, you know, which ones they accepted. St. Augustine, for example, accepted the larger list of scriptures. And so it's it's not a new debate. I mean, all... The Jew, we don't... It's not like when Christians um, became... You know, as soon as the birth of the church, there was this closed section of Hebrew scripture. That's not the way the Jewish system worked. They had the Torah, and that was the main part. And then they kind of expanded in authority from there. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really start defining their list of scripture or closing it until the second century A.D. after having arguments with Christians. Hmm. So, all right, let's go through some, um, let's go back and define some things. So you brought up a different, a couple of different, uh, codexes, 
Uh, what's a codex? <laughs> Describe that for us, please. It's code with the letter X at the end. <laughs> the end. Codex. Thank you, Everett. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, come on. <laughs> codex being the... Uh, oh, Co- gosh, codex, I just codex lost my words. It's like, it's like a... So there's text. Origin, right? Origin. It's like they found... Like, like they say, okay, so... So in this one, which is like a collection of, 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 of writings, they've, they've identified them so they can categorize them. I think, Tom, was it last time that you were talking about how, you know, there's a, a longer ending of Mark and that, it, and I could be completely butchering this, but I believe, and, but I think that's kind of what we're talking about is that there are collections of Marks that, and so I think it's a way of categorizing texts and if I'm, and who interpreted them and, and things like that, but I could be completely wrong. Says a, an ancient manuscript text in book form. So Codex, um, in the way uh, Sinaiticus, as you said it, I think that's how, eh, that was pretty good. And Alexandrinus, Alexandrinus. <laughs> um, so that, that's my understanding is that these are manuscripts that were found very old, uh, very few as far as Hebrew scripture goes are we have very few of them and that's where our Bibles were translated from if no probably not yeah sure I guess Hebrew translated but into English so is that correct yeah source another way to look at that is source right Tom did we lose you sorry I got interrupted for okay a second. <laughs> I was thinking I was like man he's really not talking <laughs> Um, so, okay, so that's what, um, and then, um, so there's various sources. Let's stick with that word because that one's easy. <laughs> uh, various sources that the Bible is translated from, and so they name some of them, I guess, in the Old Testament as these different codexes, yes, um, and then Apocrypha. So what you're saying is the Apocrypha was part of the um I've already forgotten those words, Sy- whatever, Sinaiticus and the Alexandrinus Codex, That um, which is interesting because if it's part of that, and yet Protestants tend to ignore the Apocrypha, what's the, what, what's the reason? A lot of the writings in the Apocrypha are clearly more allegorical Hmm. or 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 clearly more shaped to make a point okay which is how all ancient history worked but it's more obvious in the apocrypha (laughs) okay so it's harder to have a a view of scripture where it's basically god's word that came down out of heaven in a box just for you it's harder (laughs) to have the like evangelical view of scripture if you have the apocrypha as a part of it you know what i'm saying bazinga yes i do that, that's a big part of it okay. i think um the other thing is the big problem is the bible does not define itself there's no list in scripture mm. that says this is the scripture right right and so 
it's always going to be argued about. And there are ancient authorities who used it, and there are ancient, you can point to some ancient Christian authorities who didn't, you know, use it. So, And it, it's, it's interesting, because when we talk about the development of Scripture, I mean, there's, you know, um, obviously, as the Church of England is developing, it, it decided and argued about what texts would be included and what texts were not, were not the you know, official stance about the Apocrypha is, is that it is useful for teaching, but not for making doctrine. Um, hmm. So that's our way of, of um, trying to have it both ways. But, um, you know, Luther debated about whether James and Revelation should be included in, in, in the Bible. So um, this is an important point that um, I think it's Reginald Fuller, um, who was a noted uh, New Testament scholar in the Episcopal tradition. And, and Fuller says, the thing to remember is, is that the church made the Bible, right? The Bible didn't make the church. The church made the Bible. They said, you know, here, here are the texts that are authoritative, which point to and give authentic witness to the working of God in the world. Did you just read that? No. Ah, you got your words back. That was good. <laughs> I, I had some coffee. Okay, is that it? <laughs> Look at that change. <laughs> I I am reading this, but uh, Saint Augustine. Don't 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 just just pretend like you're not. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just to believe you. <laughs> just off the top of my head, Saint Augustine said, "I would not have believed the gospel had not the authority of the church moved me." And that, that was a big change for me when I was finding my way out of wow. um, Bible worship or literalism. When you start to see how the scripture was formed, and then you, it's not like the chicken or the egg argument. I mean, you know, the church came first, mm. and then the scriptures were decided upon later. So... I, I grew up in a church that was trying to become the New Testament church or the early Christian, copy their beliefs by reading the book that they didn't have. Do you know what I mean? Wow. So how do you, how do you be like them? It was a restoration movement church. How do you be like them by following a book that they didn't have? That didn't you know, actually they inform might've... them. <laughs> Right. They might have had a book or two of it here and there, parts of it. And they had mainly the, what we'd call the Hebrew scriptures, right. including the Apocrypha, for the most part. Um, so, and, yeah, and I mean, they're, even... right. their, their, pri their primary text was the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament was not. I mean, yeah, they probably had some letters of Paul. Um, they probably had some other letters that, that aren't included in the Bible. Um, hmm, yeah, you know, things that have either been lost or were deemed over time not to be worthy to be included. And this is the other big point. The vast majority of Christians in the world, Roman Catholic, all the Orthodox churches, most of the, Ang I mean, Anglican churches, all except the Apocrypha. They don't call it the Apocrypha necessarily, all right. of them. They just call it the Old Testament. That's also another point to remember. 
Is that a Western thing? Yeah, I mean, most Protestants are Western, so. Yeah. Hmm. There's, uh, and uh, Tom and Justin, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I've said this, but it's worthy to say, at least I think it is. <laughs> like, like it was, um, it was mind shifting when I came to the realization that the church mm. and its practices existed before the scriptures. Like the fact that they, you know, were baptizing and sharing in communion and ordaining, you know, people into ministry and establishing bishops. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that communion in 50 AD is exactly like communion today. I'm just saying like, like those things existed and were going on before Paul had completed his letters, before Mark sat down to write his account of the gospel. Right. Um, and, and the people who are writing, Paul, when he's writing it, he is gathering on Sunday and he is sharing in Holy Communion. Um, he didn't read his own letter to figure that out. <laughs> right. That's great. But, but I, and I, I, mean, I know it's like, it's odd. Like it's, it's obvious once you like go, well, of course. Right. But growing up, that was not, right. That, right. that wasn't my mindset. You know, I, I, so when you said that, and thank you for saying that again, because that it did again touch home with me to think that there is a community of people who are together, who are doing these things spirit led, right? Spirit driven, and there's no scripts, <laughs> right? There's no word of God if, if you want to define it as that word of God being the Bible. And, um, so that's a great point to make. Um, <clears throat> Uh, when was, gosh, so many places to go. When was the first uh, letter of Paul, uh, which I think, no, it wasn't Romans. It's First Thessalonians. Uh, when was that written? Does anyone know? Guestimate? Oh, in the 50s, 60s. 50s? Okay. So, so uh, 50s. I'll look it up. Right. And so Pentecost was 30s, potentially late 30s, maybe something in that area. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, Mid thirties, so, yeah. Okay, and so they are acting upon, well, what Jesus said and the apostles and what they're telling others and and sharing and and coming about and so on, um, just by word of mouth, more or less. So, yeah, mid fifties, huh. late forties, mid to mid fifties, something like that. I'm going to have to make a note to sit down and think about that more because. Um, and and I wanted to jump back to this. We've spoke about this at least twice. <laughs> um, the uh, the tricycle, the three uh, the tricycle. Some of us call it. Everett likes to call it. Uh, I learned it as the three legged stool. Uh, but it's Destroy the destroy the stool and use it for kindling. Blah blah blah. And so I'm I'm referencing for our audience here, Everett, not for you. <laughs> but it is. Uh, well, what is it? Gosh, I've just lost that. Thanks, Everett. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do we, so we are we are driven is not the word here, um, but that's what I'm using. So tradition, uh, the Bible, and reason. Did I get those three right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so if you if you look at Richard Hooker and and um, when he's talking about sort of an Anglican understanding, 
you know, he says that scripture is the primary way in which we understand God and that it's interpreted through tradition and God-given reason. Reason, right. And so when I think about that, and, and like I said, you you put the large wheel of the tricycle as that example first, and it's uh, leading the way but informed through tradition and reason. But then you, you we talk about the fact that there was, quote-unquote, church before the Bible, and that kind of, um, that also kind of makes me think about that. I'm like, hmm, wait a second here. <laughs> um, and so are we led by spirit above and beyond scripture? I'm going to let y'all think about that for a second. <laughs> well, I would say it wasn't just the spirit, but the early early Christians didn't have a printing press, so they didn't have the scriptures and so they had the they were passing down the things Jesus had said. Um, well, you know what? I, I guess that's kind of I guess and that's also ki- the spirit, of course. Well, it, the law and prophets. I just thought about it. Of course, they had scripture. It was the Torah, right? So, I mean, the Hebrew, the law and prophets. So, I'm sitting here. So, but you know, as what we know as you know the church, um, and what we as you all have done a great job of describing, uh, because Paul being you know the greatest missionary and informer of what church practices and beliefs and so on, that wasn't existent, but they just did what they did from, um, you know, Hebrew scripture as well as the ministry of Jesus. So one of the things I, that's always struck me, Tom and I were discussing, oh gosh, a few years ago about Monday, Thursday Hmm. and how you go and you read the Exodus account and it says, okay, Here's how you do the Passover supper. And then you read, you know, like, and, and, and then like Paul's like talking about how this tradition handed down to him and what Jesus is doing. And it's like, they don't align. Hmm. Right. So, you know, these traditions that are passed down, it's not like they've never, they've never changed. The question is, is are they consistent and are they giving witness to, you know, the same God. Hmm. And I just, but Tom pointed that out one time. I was like, well, here's what I'm talking about. I'm like, whoa, I never thought of that. <laughs> Tom's the brilliant one. We all know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember pointing that out to you. It's funny. I'm teaching that in VBS right now or was or am whatever online. So I'm like, what is it? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> oh, um, Okay. Any anything that we've said so far that you want to expand on that you haven't had an opportunity to do before I change speeds just a little bit. Going once, change speeds. All right. the The Bible, um, the Bible is a weapon. You know, um, the, it can be used so many bad ways. And I remember, I mean, I immediately reflect on the story of the guy, uh, Tom tells us uh, the story of the guy ripping out one of the books of the Bible and throwing it on the floor of Jonah, maybe. And like, if this isn't true, then none of it's true. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, what's, um, what, what do you feel like is the most confusing thing in the Bible for others? That is a roadblock of them I'm going to say now, this is my personal description of it being such a beautiful 
informing and just, I don't know what to say now, God-inspired tapestry. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm just trying to be poetic, so I'll stop there. Did the question come out? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think the biggest obstacle is are the preconceived ideas we bring to it okay so if you take it on its own terms it's a completely different book than when you're coming at it maybe just you've if you're someone who's always seen it you're had it used against them as a weapon Mm -hmm. or seen it used in the culture as a weapon you might pick it up and with a completely, you know, this is like a manifesto for some right-wing organization, you might think. Mm. Or, or, or just the general preconceived notions we have about books. You know, it's bound together. It looks like a book. So this should all just fit together. And so, like, the church I grew up in would use some random part of maybe Old Testament scripture to interpret the meaning of something they found in Romans or they'd use some part of First Peter, some small phrase, to explain what was meant in Matthew, you know. And so, because if you look at it as one big book with that's completely coherent with every other part of the book, then you would expect it to work that way. But that's not how it works, because it's not one book. It's 66 different entities depending on if you're using the protestant or the catholic bible so you can't use for example i mean you could and we built complex doctrines by using one part of scripture from one author to interpret one part from a completely different author in a different time period not accounting for translation not accounting (laughs) for cultural differences or time differences and that's that's and then when you're raised that way and then it you f- eventually figure out it doesn't work then your faith is destroyed because your faith was in the wrong thing in the first place in a system of understanding scripture that makes no sense and getting it's, it right and but, getting it right right to push back a little bit tom does it in some degree scripture do that i mean um I mean, I mean, an example can be the two creation stories and how they're from, you know, different different aspects, or um, the 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 Genesis um, account of Sodom and Gomorrah versus um, Ezekiel's take on it, or you know, Paul's take on the 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 rock um, that 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 you know followed the Israelites in the desert, like. <laughs> they 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 took liberties because that's how ancient people read these texts which i think the problem is is that when we do what you're saying we do it because we're trying to build a case like it's um like an illegal case right you have precedent and you know and right and so so we're but 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 when scripture does it, it does it because it's an artwork where we're doing it like when 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 Tom's talking about what we do 
we do it like we're trying to build legal precedent to make our argument. Um, and I don't know if that distinction makes sense at all. Um, but but I but I I I think I think that's important to say is is that that there are some creative interpretations of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Um, For sure. Oh yeah. But they understand how the scriptures were supposed to work, which is different than the way that our modern mind brings to it. Or are informed. The context is really what it boils down to. I mean, understanding. And I think you mentioned that time and context, uh, uh, Tom. But go ahead. What were you going to say, Tom? Well, but if you come at it, if you come at scripture with the approach that I was describing. You can never see, for example, that there are two creation accounts, mm. right? Because it has to, one has to jive with the other, because it's one book, and it and books don't work like that. Mm -hmm. But if you, I mean, when you finally can kind of separate yourself that and read it, it's obvious. But that's all I had to say. So that's all I got to say about that. So it's all it's. I gotta it's say um, about that. <clears throat> The writers, especially New Testament, are crafting these stories to present and um, to make a point, right? Um, I mean, there is historical. There are, I mean, because you look at, um, uh, of course, I'm going to mention the Bible Project, and you go to them and you see how uh, these, you know, liter literary works are formatted and why they're formatted in this way and things like that. And, um, you know, and that, um, for many people will deflate the importance or make it, you know, it's like, Oh, well, I didn't know this was, I thought, you know, as Tom referenced many <laughs> in the old, what is the Bible? You know, some guy sat down at a desk with a pen and paper and his eyes glazed over and he just looked up and started writing because God was inspiring what he was writing. I, you know, it's, it's, the people are inspired by the spirit within them, but they are still crafting these works in a way that informs the, you know, people around them is who they're writing this for. I don't really think that they sat around and said, man, in 2020, when those three guys are sitting down in front of those microphones, I want to make sure they get this point. <laughs> but, um, but it's about informing, you know, what they knew, what they saw, and how to understand it. Yes. And I, I was – oh, go ahead, Tom. I was just going to say a big transition point for me is when I was able to see in Scripture itself, in the Christian text, the New Testament, levels of authority represented there. Like in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says – now I hand it on to you as of first importance. This is the most important thing. Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised, that he appeared. That's the most important. Paul says this is the most important thing. Um, and in 1 Corinthians 7, same book, he says another time, he's, or he says, and now I say to you, not I, not the Lord, but I. So he's saying mm. you should take this, don't take this as heavily as what you've right. heard from Jesus. And that's not how I grew up. You know, if it's in the scripture, if it's in that, if it's in between that leather binding with the gold edges, 
then it it's all the same. Then it, it came counts. from God, right? right? Not Paul. It came right. from God directly. So. Right. Ever. Um. So Wrap I was reading this. I was reading this book about um, how we um, talk to people who don't share our faith. And one of the examples that it used was St. Augustine's um, discourses with the, um, with the Manichees. And, and they were basically like these hyper-rationalists, you know, in the, the fourth century or whatever it was. <laughs> and, and everything had to make sense and everything had to be able to be proved. And um, they would read or, or they would hear the story – um, that Christians told, and they would sit there and go, there's no way that the earth was made in six days. <laughs> there's no way Jonah was in the belly of the whale for, you know, three days. There's, there's no, you know, and, and, and they brought to um, their disagreement with Christianity many of the same modern questions that we have today. Right. I was going to say, that's us. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, the book says is, you know, is that what Augustine had to do when he talked to them, to, to this, these groups to get them to understand and appreciate great literature mm, okay. and, 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 and how literature functioned. Right. Right. Um, and I think that, that that's one of our deficiencies when we talk about scriptures, we don't talk about it. Like a like literature, because we're afraid that people will hear. Well, then it's no different than mm. you know. I don't know. Yeah, no, a that's, Harry, that's po a a Harry Potter novel, right? Or, right. You know. Right. No, that's a very good point. Um, you know, and that's the interesting thing of of you know I I heard of a and I, we're out of time. I'm sorry, we're running over here, but um, you know just. People going out and, and um, dragging the bottom of, you know, like the Red Sea to, to find the historical, <laughs> uh, you know, Egyptians being crashed on by the, the water falling on them and things like that. And um, and and I, I whatever, it's I just uh, that just came to mind when you were saying that. Um, but it's it's how we perceive literature and, and it has to be as, as Tom said in between those binders it's bound and so it all has to make sense and it has to have a happy ending and a bow you know and um, and so there is so much mis misperception I think I say so well that was fun that was good um, thank you everyone for listening we'll continue this series in our next episode we hope that you are all doing well May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at, at @fundrainpod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.